Our gospel lesson is from the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And so I begin by giving some encouragement for you to return to your homes and read that whole chapter because it begins with what we now call the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. We love these verses because they remind us that we are only part of God's wonderful creation. We sometimes forget, or at least I do, what a gift it is to enjoy the world I inhabit. What a blessing it is for me to be here with you in this place. The Beatitudes remind us that there are others who have far fewer possessions, and yet they return thanks just as we do. It's extraordinary, but the Beatitudes remind us that the vast number of human beings were not raised as you and I were. And no matter where we come from, we can find it hard to imagine how a family of five living in a mud hut just outside of Kampala can stop and return thanks for everything that God has given them. It's hard to imagine that, but I've seen it. It is the Beatitudes that ring the first note of this word, righteousness. We hear Jesus telling those around him that of the scribes and Pharisees, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, these are fairly harsh words to hear from Jesus, whom we consider God's earthly perfection of love and forgiveness. So what is this word righteousness? We certainly hear about it from late night preachers with better bone structure and much better hair than I possess. But it helps to remember that the whole reading before we dig into it has something to offer to us, the gulf between, perhaps, our view of the law of Moses and Jesus' view of it. Many Christians have been taught over the century that the law of Moses is a bad thing, imperfect, and also the reason that the grace that comes with Jesus supersedes this law of Moses. So the issue is, is that many in this parish are friends with folks who faithfully worship in synagogues all across this city, all across this nation, and many of them keep the law better than some Christians keep our own Ten Commandments, which actually is part of the law of Moses. It pays real dividends to recall that Jesus never thought the law was a bad thing. In fact, it was given by God to lighten the journey of a follower of the Almighty, something to be thankful for. In fact, the law was to be a joy to the people. It was to set them apart and give them a way to live rightly sort of like following the owner's manual of a car. No one has to guess about car maintenance. You just open up your glove box and there it is. There's the manual right there. 
No one has to worry about following the tenets of God. To Jesus, righteousness was the very opposite of this small group of religious elite that taught in the temples. The righteousness that Jesus speaks about is not an inflexible thing that quenches the thirst for life. Righteousness actually has more to do with the pure joy of walking closely with the Lord God. Scripturally, righteousness is to be so desired as to be like thirsting for water on the hottest of Texas days. So when it seems like Jesus is really grinding hard on the scribes and the Pharisees right at the end of the gospel reading, he was. But it was for the crime of squeezing all the joy out of living for the Lord. Jesus was just wondering why. Why do that to people? Wasn't life hard enough? Why make loving God so hard? And worse yet, why in the world would you want to make people wonder if they were actually good enough to be loved by their God? We can all agree that one of the reasons, one of the reasons that Jesus came was to reorient the nature of the human bond with God. He did this over and over again in the scriptures. We see plenty of evidence of this. So what we see Jesus doing in this gospel has more to do with clarification and then a call to those who would follow him. Jesus was very clear about the way the religious elite were then living. It was certainly not the way of Moses, twisting the law to better suit their fleshly desires. You may remember a little bit later on in Matthew, Jesus lights into them again. He says they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. And so here we get into it. These scribes and these Pharisees had decades of sitting and listening to the greatest teachers that Israel had to offer. And yet Jesus could still draw this sharp distinction between the law and their deeds. There was no problem with the law. It was how they lived it. It was a spiritual problem at its core. Righteousness is the quality of the bond between a believer and the Lord. It's not solely about choices, whether you make good choices, although that may be a piece of it. It's deeper than that. It's a way of being. It's a way of honoring God. It's how one implements what one has learned. Just as an artist becomes great only through a period of formation, just as doctors, attorneys, anyone becomes at the top of their field only through a period of formation and learning, so it is with righteousness. Jesus was obviously not a fan of these scribes and Pharisees their deeds that come out of their so-called spiritual lives. 
I always thought this was Jesus telling the people to believe, simply believe, and their salvation would be secure. That's not the issue. Jesus was asking them to press in and reap the full benefits of a life with Christ, to live a life of righteousness, righteousness through a long walk with him and him alone. So what I'd offer for you is if you would take your bulletins home and read them along with the full chapter of Matthew 5. And then contemplate this idea of righteousness, this way, this offering that we have of being a follower of Christ, not pretending, but to be it, to live it, to embody it. This is what we all are being called towards, righteousness.